Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office. Where each day, we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts, and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. It's Monday, December 7th. Again, this is the last week that we'll be doing a podcast for this semester uh, as classes are winding up this week. They're winding up online, and many classes uh, kind of wound to somewhat of a conclusion before leaving campus, but then there's been a couple weeks that we've been online, and next week are finals. So if you are um, a member of the Houghton Extended Community, an alum or a friend of the college out there, without being a current student, we just urge you to pray for our students and faculty and staff as they go through. It's always a stressful week without the um, benefit of being together for that time. So again, this week we're looking at texts related to Christmas. Um, Again, it may be, be a little weird in your tradition to do that now before Christmas Day, and, um, and I affirm that, incidentally, I love the season of Advent and think of it as a, a very distinct season from Christmas. Yet, when we're on campus, um, it always seems appropriate to do some reading of the Christmas story together, since by the time we gather again in January, the Christmas season will be past. And so, um, spending a little time in Christmas uh, thinking together is all, always good. So, as always, we have uh, three texts each day, and so the texts for uh, today, Monday, December 7th, are... Psalm 8, Genesis 3, 8 to 19, and Luke 1, 26 to 38. And so today and through the rest of the week, I'll just be focusing on the New Testament texts, obviously since those have us in the birth narrative of Jesus, and that's how we want to kind of focus us this week. So today from Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So we have a son named Gabriel, and this is one of the texts in which his name appears. And so uh, since I also, as Michael, am also named after an angel, we sort of enjoy the angel connection with each other. And Gabriel, the angel, comes and says, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And I love the, the way the text describes it. 
But Mary was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. <laughs> and I love the way that that uh, sort of captures a, okay, what's this about? Um, this is an unusual thing um, to have an angel here saying these things. What exactly does this angel want of me? And the angel says, you know, um, in that, uh, about what will happen, about, you know, you'll conceive a son and all that. And Mary's response is so, so powerful to me. How will this be since I am a virgin? How will this be? How can this be? Depending on the translation you're reading. There's such a difference between that can't be and how will this be? <laughs> right? That can't be would be a totally logical response. And that's the kind of response we saw from Zechariah just earlier in Luke 1. A sense of, that, that can't happen. I mean, I mean, I'm a virgin. This is not how this works. I know you're an angel all and all and don't maybe understand how all this works, but I can't have a baby. It just can't be. That, that would be a totally logical response. But it's so very different than the response, how will this be? Or how could this be? Right? Which expresses a kind of openness to saying, I can't imagine there's a way that this would be, but clearly you're an angel sent from God. Perhaps there's a way that this could be that I can't fully understand right now. And that difference, right, between how can it be and, or how will it be and, and that can't be, that's hard, hard to do. Um, it, it's hard to say even. Like it's very impressive that Mary just found it in her to say that in the moment. Um, but it's, it's hard to say with our lips. It's even harder, really, to live out with our lives, right? It's one thing, you know, as Mary, as Mary hears this and has to process it, for her to say in the moment, how will this be? But it's another for her then to leave this encounter and continue to believe that that's true. It's harder for her to go into the world and instinctively act as if it's true. I'm sure, at least at the very beginning, she doesn't feel pregnant. I mean, that's not how it works. And so I'm sure that part of her is wondering, like, I mean, could that really have happened? And yet somehow she manages to consistently, intuitively act as if it's real. And I wonder, this is conjecture, I understand, but I wonder if she didn't let her mouth lead here. I wonder if she didn't say something that she couldn't fully believe in order to become that sort of person. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I think often in our lives, um, like when we think about the way we talk to God, we think, I want to talk authentically to God. I don't want to say to God things I don't believe or mean, etc. Um, there's a great deal of emphasis placed on authenticity. But there's also a way in which as I speak to God and conduct myself a certain way in my formal relationship with God, that I'm learning patterns there that I take into my informal relationships with other people and the way that I intuit and understand the world. And the things I say to God again and again and again sink into my bones as if they are really true in a way that I don't always experience them as intuitively true before I say it consistently over and over. And I think for me that's maybe part of what's happened with Mary here, that her mouth is leading and saying things that she can't fully comprehend but she, her life from there begins to live into this reality. Because her first response to God was, 
maybe this will happen. I can't, I don't know everything. But that kind of sets a pattern for her relationship with God that allows her the kind of openness to really let God do that work in her. I do think that's a goal for us as Christians, like, uh, you know, having grown up evangelical, we didn't talk about Mary nearly as much as the Catholics. Um, but that idea of Mary as someone who initially is responding to God in the right way and continues to carve out a place in her life for God to do this creative but often very painful and sacrificial work. Um, you know, not just the process of giving herself over to pregnancy and having a baby, but giving herself over to a relationship with a son that was, from the very beginning, far out of her ability to manage, leading ultimately to his death and, of course, resurrection, but in the moment of his death, like not you know, how very painful it would be to witness the death of your own child under any circumstance, but certainly in this circumstance, extremely painful. And yet, Mary's openness to God's work allows her uh, to participate in it and be present, and of course then to reap the reward and the joy of, of participating with God's salvific work in a way that is unique to her and for which she is rightly remembered through eternity. Would that were true of each of us, right? That we could lead with our mouth, lead with our lips, say things that we learn, learn then to carve out open space in our lives around. God, in the moments when we come and pray to you, um, we always present ourselves well. We want to be honest, but we also present our best selves to you in this moment. We speak a certain way. Um, we take on the language of scripture, even if it's not our common everyday language with each other. We do that, God, not just because it's authentically reflecting what we're feeling, but because we're showing you the selves we want to be. Behind our presentation of ourselves this way is a desire to follow you and a desire to become the sort of persons that we're showing you now. We know that you know our inward hearts. We know that you know that we uh, don't fully represent our ideals. And yet, God, uh, you want us to be your partners, and we want to be your partners. So make it that way, just as you did with Mary. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, looking forward to talking with you more tomorrow. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.